But first to something that didn't seem to rate coverage here, but a mammoth demonstration took over the streets of Warsaw this week, Poland's capital, said to be the biggest gathering since those that ended communist rule 30 years ago. Even the legendary Lech Wałęsa was a face in the crowd, the former shipyard worker who led protests against the Soviet occupiers during those dramatic early 1990s days. Why did so many people turn up this week? Because they're worried that Poland's democracy is being constantly pressured by its government, the Law and Justice Party. The latest test being the so-called Russian influence law, claimed to weed out anyone who might have helped the Russians to undermine Poland, though observers see more disturbing motives for the law. The EU is also in constant dispute with Polish legal authorities over the independence of Polish courts. And of course, all of this comes against a backdrop of the adjacent Ukraine war. Poland's been a standard bearer within Europe of solidarity with the Ukrainians. For an on-the-ground analysis, I spoke earlier to Professor Jan Pakulski. He's Emeritus Professor at the University of Tasmania of Sociology, who also teaches at the Collegium Civitas, an institution set up in Poland in those early days of independence. Dr Jan Pakulski, thank you very much indeed for joining us from Warsaw. You're welcome. Now, maybe you could tell us first, please, about this huge demonstration in the streets of Warsaw that brought out just hundreds of thousands of people. Why did they come onto the streets? For two reasons. First, it was an anniversary of the first Polish free elections in 1989, the beginning of Polish democracy after the fall of communism. Secondly, it was manifestation of support for Donald Tusk and his uh, party and his coalition in opposing the draconian legislation passed by the Polish parliament and signed by the president of Poland, which proposes the committee investigating Russian influence. This is, in fact, a measure which is called in Poland Lex Tusk, directed against the leader of the Polish opposition, Donald Tusk, and threatening him with banning him from participating in the next elections, which has to happen before the end of this year. So uh, it's very highly political, and everyone was enraged uh, by it. And it triggered very strong warnings from the United States and from the European Union that this is a violation of democratic rules. And Donald Tusk has, of course, been head of the European Commission for the past five years. Well, he's now back in Poland and clearly with a very good chance of winning again. Twice he's been Prime Minister of Poland. And the allegation, I understand, is that he was sort of too close to the Russians when he he did hold that role, uh, which would have extra weight given what is occurring in Ukraine. And I'll come to that in a moment. But you think this is all a ruse, do you, just to really interfere with the elections? Of course it's a ruse. There is no foundation for, uh, for that. As 
Prime Minister Tusk uh, was supposed to interact uh, with Putin and other leaders, and there was nothing secret or unpatriotic in this interaction. And it's, of course, one of many ruses because uh, Tusk proves extremely popular. Mm. The recent opinion poll conducted on the 5th and 6th of June gives Tusk's coalition the uh, leading position in polls. And all the government figures are in panic now what to do about it. Right. And the point is that the government has approved new legislation that could effectively ban opposition lawmakers from public office for a decade with no apparent appeals process and all under the guise of rooting out supposed Russian interference in the in the country. Now, now do you agree, as some say, that it's the sign of the end of Polish democracy or do you think that's getting a bit carried away with hyperbole? That would be the end of Polish democracy, and that was more or less what the ambassador, uh, U.S. ambassador, told Polish government, that this constitutes the restriction placed on free election. But anyway, in Poland, it's a source of ridicule rather than fear. Uh, Everyone expects that this legislation will be either changed or discarded, but one never knows. Polish regime is pretty adept in conducting various forms of unconstitutional activities. Yes, we have been following this story off and on. Um, it's sort of been rumbling along this to the operation of the law in Poland, much like it is in Israel, actually, um, you know, for almost two years. And this week, the EU's top court ruled against Poland's reforms to discipline judges who ruled against the government. So, I mean, just by way of summary, it sounds very fluid. Let's put it like that. The government gets admonished and then changes the laws and then comes up another one. Yes, indeed. It's very unpredictable. But after the massive support which uh, the opposition uh, received during this Freedom March on the 4th of June, everyone is expecting some form of political awakening and uh, uh, people are much more optimistic that Poland trip against uh, democracy will be stopped and uh, that we remain within the family of uh, democratic nations, unlike Hungary, which uh, from 2020 is no longer classified by Freedom House as a democratic regime, but as uh, a hybrid. Now, look, you're also on the sidelines of this huge battle in Ukraine, so much more dramatic with this dam-breaking event. What is your impression of attitudes inside Poland at different levels at the moment? How would you describe it? Uh, It's seen not as much uh, as a Russian war, as Putin's war. Uh, His vengeance uh, uh, vented on Ukrainians for their insistence that they want to be independent. You must remember that uh, Poland is among the most uh, strongest backers of uh, President Zelensky and Ukraine in the uh, 
defense against the Russian invasion, Putin's invasion. And there is uh, about two million of refugees in, mm. from Ukraine in Poland. Um, eight million of Ukrainians dispersed as a result of the Russian invasion. And most of them go through Poland or stay in Poland. They are very well received in Poland. And uh, uh, Ukrainian language is extremely popular in Warsaw. If you go through Warsaw streets, if you sit in the cafe, you hear Ukrainian language for two reasons. Many Ukrainians work in Poland in services, uh, but also because many young Ukrainians, especially women who are not uh, at the danger of conscription, uh, prefer to live in Warsaw now. It's much safer, of course. So we're all sides of, in this rather complex brew of politics, all sides on, on board defending Ukraine? Yes, and it's a long tradition. There is a very strong movement uh, which was started by Marshal Piłsudski in uh, 1904, which still is very strong. It's a movement of all captive nations living under the Russian and then Soviet empires and struggling for independence. It included not only Ukraine, but also Belarus, Lithuania, all the Baltic, all the uh, Eastern republics, uh, mm. including Caucasian uh, Republic of Azerbaijan, Georgia and Armenia. And in 2007, presidents of uh, Poland, Georgia, and Lithuania unveiled a monument to commemorate captive nations against the Russian yoke, against the Russian uh, domination. It is a bit complicated too, though, um, because Russia and Germany are two huge neighbours and you have very complicated relations with both, don't you? And um, I noticed that uh, Kaczynski, uh, Yaroslav Kaczynski, the the founder of the co-founder of um, mm -hmm. the uh, PIS, the main party, who's probably the most powerful man in the country, he said, we do not fit into the German-Russian plan to rule over Europe. And he has a sort of alternative future for Europe, some suggest. So it's a bit tricky. It's not as straightforward as it sounds. No, it's not uh, straightforward at all. Uh, but I don't think it involves any German uh, imperial designs. Germany is very happy with the European policies, uh, although uh, they aided Putin unwittingly in uh, his attempts to dominate the energy market oh, with the Nord Stream. In, uh, in Europe. Yes. No one knows who um, was involved in the uh, explosion oh, yes. uh, which destroyed it, but suspicions are that it may be the Russians. Look, can I interrupt you there, Dr. Pakulski, given what the Russians yeah. are probably are capable of? I mean, we don't know, but uh, this blowing up of the dam, which is really quite dreadful, um, what's been the response in your country? Have they been very shocked by this or did they expect something like this? 
in Poland, everyone expects the worst. Uh, um, so it, people were not shocked. And it's a strategy of attacking the civilian infrastructure. And those actions are part of the broader pattern. And finally, the amount, I think you've got the highest spend, I, I find it hard to believe this, in Europe on the military at the moment. Poland's military spend has absolutely skyrocketed. Again, is, there, is that fully supported? Yes, uh, uh, military spending, higher military spendings are supported in Poland because everyone is aware of the security threat posed by uh, aggressive Putin's regime next door. So uh, this issue of helping Ukraine, building up a stronger Polish army, is one of the issues which are consensual that both the opposition and the government in Poland support. Uh, Poland is planning to spend about between 3 and uh, 4% of its GDP for, for military, which is well above the 2% uh, required by NATO. So uh, one should expect a significant strengthening of the Polish military, as well as significant strengthening also of the Czech uh, military, Romanian, uh, and other countries involved, which are drawing the right conclusions from the invasion of Ukraine. Well, Dr. Bakulski, thank you very much indeed. Thank you very much. Uh, professor Jan Pakulski from the University of Tasmania, also a professor in the Collegium Civitas, an interesting body set up in Warsaw. Getting in touch with ABC RN is easy. Join the conversation live using the ABC Listen app's call and text features.